of Internet Wonderland. I hope my voice finds you well. Welcome back to my home. This is Cheshire's Place. As always, I am your host, the melodious one, Mr. Cheshire. You can always find me in my small little corner of Internet Wonderland by clicking a like on the Facebook group page, Cheshire's Place, a looking glass in a logical madness. You can listen to this episode and all other content on Anchor.fm, Spotify, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and many other platforms. And if you ever feel like dropping a line, saying hi, or giving any thoughts or suggestions for upcoming episodes, feel free to email me at CheshireLookingGlass at gmail.com, or you can follow me on Twitter at PlaceCheshire. So, <clears throat> this is a very unique time for us to be recording. And the reason why is because this Labor Day weekend is chocked full of wonderful wrestling goodness. I mean, we just finished watching WWE Clash at the Castle. Tomorrow, we have to look for WWE NXT, NXT UK, Worlds Collide. And then, of course, tomorrow night is going to be AEW All Out. 
plus we're also putting us through um we're putting ourselves through a little bit of hell and we're going to explain that as well but proper introductions first before we get into the meat and potatoes of this special episode of course i have to introduce him he is my brother from another mother he is my co-host he's my ride or die he is my hetero life mate he is the man the myth the legend monkey monkey how's it going I'm good. How about you? I'm doing fantastic. I was about to say we haven't went through the the special treat yet, and you're already sounding like you're ready to just jump off a bridge. I don't know what you're talking about. That bridge pushed me. I did not move on my own accord. <laughs> then of course I do have to introduce. Are you a little lost there? <laughs> no, no, I'm not lost. I'm not lost. I'm trying to get the sultry voice down because, you know, we have to have a sultry voice whenever introducing this man. <laughs> Hold on one second. <clears throat> he is the international Lothario of the stage. He is the silver tongue devil. He is the sexual chocolate of Internet Wonderland. Tantalizing the juices of all women's pleasures. Let's give it up for the man himself, D Twizzle. How's it going, D? Uh, I'm doing really good. You know, I was talking about really coming up with like a really like random voice. People are like, oh, I mean, hey guys, how are you doing? You know, well, I don't think it would have worked, but then again, you never know. Yeah, no, I know, right? It'd be like the sultry voice of, <laughs> you know, so. <laughs> My son sound like, oh, how's it going? <laughs> but anyway, so gentlemen, we do have to discuss this wonderful Labor Day weekend with all the wrestling goodness that we will be partaking in. Yes. Yes. Because we just, as I mentioned, we just finished watching WWE Clash at the Castle. Yes. Mm-hmm. We're going to be watching tomorrow WWE NXT NXT UK Worlds Collide. Colliding. Brought to you by Power Man 5000. <laughs> you know, that'd be messed up if they actually use that song for Worlds Collide, but. Oh, come on. It's good marketing. It is, but, be. you know, not going to happen. No. no offense to Power Man 5000. We actually like your music. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, what it was is actually they did have a thing with them at one point or another. Yeah. And, you know, obviously the lead singer of Power Man 5000 being uh, Rob Zombie's brother. Oh. They, they have a little bit of an in. Yeah. Then, of course, the grand finale being AEW's All Out. Yes. <clears throat> so we're going to be doing a nice little simple review of Clash at the Castle. Yes. We're going to be talking about our quick predictions for Worlds Collide. Yes. And we're going to be hitting up some of the more key matches for All Out for predictions. Yes. Oh, yeah. But we will be mentioning. There's only like 8,000 <clears throat> matches on All Out. So it's actually about 16 matches, folks, but <clears throat> same thing. We are going to touch on some of the bigger ones that we that are going to be on the card, but we will mention all of them. So we'll give a quick rundown of the matches and we'll focus in on four for the bigger matches that are going on. But before we do that, yes, I do have to give a very Heartfelt thank you to our guest from last Sunday, Mr. Winston Roundtree, for joining us on the show. I did not know how how touched we would be with him coming on. Because directly after he was on the show, I got likes from 
Nuts and Bolts of Writing podcast. Um, also, Scribbles and Spills podcast. And a few other people that began sharing the tweet about the episode. And from there, that's when it just blew up. And in total, gentlemen, we made it up to 78 listens within the week. Wow. Which makes it our most listened to episode ever. Uh, well, the ones we've had. Yes. Not only that, but we reached 2070, 2,075 listeners on Anchor. Actually, let me check the analytics just to be sure. No, 2,071 plays of all times, 22 plays per episode, an increased audience size of 88. Wow. <clears throat> and actually, no, sorry. This episode went up to 79. Ooh. So it is the highest played episode that we have on the show. Yes. And, you know, <clears throat> like being real, I never expected for one episode to blow up like that. And I never expected to gain a bigger audience like that. And like after starting the show and everything, I knew that, you know, it'd be a process. Yeah. But we have definitely made it up further. And Mr. Roundtree, if you're listening to this episode, thank you. Like, Honestly, thank you. And to everyone that had had shared the tweet and everyone listening, everyone that <clears throat> still continues to listen to the episode, you know, just just thank you. You know, whenever I started this, I didn't expect for something like this to happen. And I'm trying not to be emotional, but it's... It's one of the things that really make me want to continue to do this. You know, I know I'm not going to always have episodes that range up that high. I mean, it'll take something special. But at least now I really know people are are tuning in. And I think every one of y'all, I really do. You know, it, it just, it warms my heart. And, you know, I, I can't, you know, <clears throat> I can't really do this show without Monkey or D Twizzle or Miss Sally Stitch or Christine Ann. You know, everyone that really encompasses the Internet Wonderland family. And, <clears throat> you know, even our friends that are beginning to go into podcasting. I mean, the axe-wielding diva, Lizzie B., um, Dustin Rhodes for Spoken Word Podcast because they're going to be coming out pretty soon. Um, my students at Purdue Job Corps Center that started the Living Res Podcast. You know, it, it, it means a lot. You know, <clears throat> and if y'all are listening out there, you know, whenever Spoken Word comes out, whenever their Learning Hour comes out, um, you know, show support to them because to me they're part of this internet wonderland family that we just so happen to be creating accidentally mind you because 
I just thought Internet Wonderland would just be like a nice little slogan. Oh, hey, you know, we're on the digital airwaves. But now it's becoming something more. So thank you for supporting the show. Thank you for supporting us. It means the world to us. Now, let's get into the wrestling goodness. All righty. So enough, enough of the sentimental, although, you know, it means a lot because after all of this week, I mean, just looking at the numbers rise and everything, it was just surreal. Yes, we're, we're partway there to get in the uh, solid gold house in the rocket car. Yep. I already have myself fitted out for my top hat and monocle. Nice. I got my war chariot and rams ready to go, too. Nice. But anyways... Let us talk about WWE Clash at the Castle. Now, we're going to try to keep all of these predictions and match discussions pretty short and sweet because we do have something special that we still have to do tonight and we'll be explaining to everyone on the air. So, gentlemen, let us start. So, we're going to start with the pre-show match. Madcap Moss and the Street Profits versus... Theory and the Alpha Academy. Now, mind you, on the dirt sheets, this was more mentioned internally. They didn't have anything really planned for a pre-show. And mind you, WWE, as of late, has been doing more of the talking vignette type pre-shows. So it was kind of weird finally turning it on before the actual event start to find this match going on. Now, <clears throat> Monkey, you got to see a little bit. I got to see a little bit. Yeah. I, I peeked around the corner while I was making nachos. Yeah. Delicious nachos, by the way. Delicious. But the winner of the match was Madcap Moss and the Street Profits. Now, for what it was just to get the crowd hyped, it was a pretty decent match. I mean, the baby faces had some pretty good spots. The heels were being heels. But, you know, just one of the things that really stuck out to me this just seemed very much put together. Mm. So, what do you think, Monkey? Um, I think it was pretty much just a throw-together match. Uh, there should have been... There's nothing really that tied this match to anything. Uh, personally, if they wanted to kind of continue some kind of storyline, it would have been good to have, like, say, the Maximil models and, and Theory against Gargano and the Street Profits. That would have at least made some sense. Right. But this match is just kind of a meh. Let's just throw a match on there. Now, maybe they built it up a little bit before the, the actual match happened, and we missed that. But, yeah, just from that happening, just turning it on, seeing that match on there, nothing. And in details, I know that you came in, like, right when the pay-per-view came on, so you yeah. didn't get a chance to watch it. No. So, <clears throat> overall, I mean... It was a good match. Okay. It, it was a pretty decent match, but it could have been a little bit better. Quite honestly, it could have been a little bit better. Yeah, but, so, you know. Yeah, okay. So, I mean, it sounds like it's like one of those matches is just not even like a good appetizer. You know, it's just like, all right, this is going to be something that's just going to hold me over until we actually get to like the actual full course meal. Exactly. So, let's go ahead and get into the main card. All right, so first match that came on was the six women tag team match with Bianca Belair 
being the WWE Women's Champion for Raw, Asuka and Alexa Bliss versus Damage Control, which consists of Bailey, Dakota Kai, and EO Sky. So, D-Twizzle, I'm going to start with your quick thoughts of this match. Go for it. All right. So, overall, I mean, I, I enjoyed it. You know, I've, I've been following a little bit of, like, Raw episodes, so kind of seeing some of, like, the the uh, ebb and flow between the two uh, two groups and stuff. And, um, you know, kudos for them actually coming up with an actual uh, faction name, which I thought was pretty creative. And plus, it's good to actually see, you know, Bailey back out there on uh, grand stage like that. And, um, you know, especially after her uh, injury recovery and everything. But, you know, as far as the match itself, you know, it was about average. You know, I feel like there was just a lot of, like, set up for different like transitions and things like that and everybody's still trying to find that chemistry you know so but i mean if i had to i guess give it a rank you know using what the dave metzer's grading scale system (laughs) probably give it about like a three stars i think the biggest thing i took away from the whole match was just that this was you know a setup for down the line for bianca and and Bailey for them to have their old rough and tumble, as they say. Right. <laughs> right. All right, Monkey, what about you, man? Definitely. This was a, a really good opening match. Um, I, I, I made a, a comment before the match because the, the information we were getting was that the match, the show's going to start off with the Sheamus versus Gunther match, which a lot of people were, were expecting that outcome to be the way it ended up outcoming. But so the uh, six women tag match started. The show and it did show that you know they're they are building up that that uh, battle between Bianca and Bailey and you know possibly her taking the title from Bianca and you know things from there right. whether it be a you know hook or crook thing which and I think is going to be more crook than hook I don't know hook is an AEW so who knows he might jump ship you never know and what wear a dress hey you know what if <clears throat> If, uh, you know, uh, Anthony Bowens can be Bobby Lashley's sister, then you know what? Why not? True, true. And we'll get into that story a little bit later anyways. All right, so overall, Damage Control won. Yes. You know, they had very good fluid teamwork. Yes. You know, they're building them up to be a very formidable force in women's wrestling. So I'm excited for what's going to come next, which eventually to me is going to be EO and Dakota getting the tag team titles. Yes. Bailey getting the Raw Women's title. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited to see what's going to happen with them overall. All right. So we move on to one of the hardest hitting matches. And I think full on consensus, yes. it is our match of the event. Yeah, definitely. With Sheamus challenging Gunther. For the Intercontinental title. Yes. And by far, my God, this was a fight. Yep. This this is a, definitely was a, a Gunther-style match. Yep. An absolute slobber knocker. Definitely, definitely. Like, just seeing Seamus's chest. His bloody chest. Oh, Literally. God. <laughs> yeah. It was bad. But it was so good at the same time. Like, I could not find any fault in this match because it was a pure, hard-hitting, European-style match. So, Monkey, give us your thoughts on the match real quick. 
Well, first of all, the match before even the match started, they they opened it in the best way they could by bringing um, the former Fabian Eichner, now Giovanni Vinci, back into Imperium. So that's definitely a good start of the sh- of the match, and them two taking out uh, Butch and Ridge Holland while the the two main competitors Gunther and Sheamus just stood there, you know, facing each other, waiting for the match to start. So that was a very definite plus because then it just showed their determination to have this match and then just the the I guess you can call it the camera father guys just taking each other out before the match starts. And, you know, it just went from there to being Gunther, being Gunther, or, you know, showing us the old-school Volter, you know, very reminiscent of the Volter versus Ilya Dragunov match where they just hit hard and just went at it, and it was just phenomenal to see. Right, exactly. Uh, D. Twizzle, what was your thought about this match? Oh, I'm kind of along the same lines. Now, keep in mind, I've never even seen Gunther actually wrestle, so this is actually my first time actually you know, seeing him out there. So definitely left a huge impression, you know, kind of like a no-nonsense. You know, you're not like a stereotypical type of person, but, you know, you could say he's from Austria and he's just here about the fitness and the toughness and everything like that. Um, but, no, it was very good. You know, a lot of – I think the biggest thing for me was the crowd involvement, mm-hmm. you know, and just how much they were, you know, pulling for Sheamus and everything. And, um, you know, they definitely provided a lot of energy throughout it all and the physicality of it. You know, it, it was slowed down, but you felt, you know, every hit, every suplex, you know, you could you could kind of feel, the, you know, them getting tired and, you know, them trying to give it their all 100%. You know, so it was um, probably very, very emotionally invested into this show or into this match, I should say. And uh, it was I was just I was definitely impressed. I wasn't expecting that at all. So I have to agree with both of you. Yes, it was a very hard hitting match. It was by far the most intense match because these guys brought it. And, you know, it's wonderful to see Imperium is back. Because Imperium, for the longest time in NXT, was the dominant force. Yes, NXT UK and then NXT until, you know, they they kind of fought it out for a little bit. And I do believe they were the longest running NXT tag champions. Yes. Now, the wonderful thing to me, if they really wanted to bring all of Imperium back, is bring back Alexander Wolfe, Mm -hmm. which Triple H may do. Who knows? I mean, with Triple H booking things and a lot of stars coming back, it would be wonderful to see the entire group of Imperium back. Yeah. That would throw off the dynamic, you know, because they got one Austrian, one German, and one Italian. Then they'd have two Germans, and that just makes everything kind of meh. It's fine. It's, <laughs> in my opinion, it's completely fine, and I'd love it. They really want to throw it completely for, for a whack is you bring in Big Dymo. Oh, they could. So then they have a big Irish guy there, too. They Scottish could. Yeah. They could. That'd be interesting. All right. So Gunther, of course, won. Yes. You know, just outstanding fashion. Outstanding fashion with the Lariat. Yes. So and definitely it, match it, of the night. And also you got to you gotta show the buildup to that. You know, first he, he hits him with the balls and crap. He doesn't tap. He hits him with a powerbomb. He doesn't. He doesn't. He kicks out. He hits him with a second powerbomb, I believe. Yep. Still kicked out. And then after that. It was just the the Gunther looking at him, 
basically saying, why won't you stay down? And then hits him with a lariat and then pins him. Definitely, definitely. All right, so the third match on the card that we have to discuss and our vote for Matt, worst match of the event. Mm-hmm. No offense to the two competitors. It could have been better, but this was for the Women's SmackDown Championship. Shayna Baszler, the Queen of Spades, versus the champion Liv Morgan. I'm just going to say my piece real quick. This is more of a SmackDown caliber match. Not a premium live event match. Honestly, they, the competitors didn't mesh well. You can see Liv's ring naivete in play. Honestly, if Shayna had someone that could really complement her style in the ring to bring forth a better match, it would have been a better match. But once again, no offense to either one of them. They're good in their own right. It just didn't feel natural. So starting with you, D-Twizzle, what is your thought on the match? Yeah, I definitely agree. There, There's a, a clash of styles. Um, Shayna's definitely a lot more physical, a lot more technical. I mean, and, and like with Liv, it's... It just wasn't the right person that she could be fighting. I mean, the way that she seems to carry herself around the ring is like something I would see her going. It's like she would come from like the Bella Twin school of wrestling. You know, that kind of weird style where it feels like things are. It has to be like very, you know, choreographed for her. Just the way that she goes about because it doesn't seem like she has a, a lot of technical stuff in her background you know so it it was a hard watch i'm not gonna lie um you know i felt like shane was definitely if we're just going off a of wrestling skill shane was definitely the the better wrestler you know but like you said as far as it being like it felt like you know like a smackdown type of match not something where you know it's just filler and you can even tell by looking at the audience most people were just you know, kind of looking around on their phones. This was like, hey, let's go grab a beer type of match. You know, just in case you need to use the bathroom. <laughs> One of those type of things, you know, you're not going to miss too much. You know, especially with this following up after the uh, Gunther Sheamus match. You know, that didn't help either because they were, you know, most of the people were like on their feet cheering. And then this comes out and that kind of, you know, levels everybody out and kind of zaps some of the the fervor from the previous match. Right. M- Monkey, what is your thought on the match? Well, um, I mean, agrees with, with both of you guys. Um, my, my two cents on this is it was very reminiscent of the Goldberg versus Regal match that happened in WCW a long time ago. Yes. Where yes. essentially it looked like, you know, uh, Regal was basically trying to wrestle Goldberg and Goldberg was supposed to try to react, but didn't know how to react so it just looked really bad and you know a lot of people say this was one of the matches that Rico got a lot of slack for and people were saying that he was that he he went in for business for himself and others were saying no he was told to do it by someone else and apparently Goldberg didn't get the memo but yeah that's basically what it looked like even though yes Liv Morgan um I would say at this point in her career has a lot more training than Goldberg had it at his point in his career it just didn't look like they they were doing it 
to the proper feel of what they were supposed to be doing. Right, exactly. Now, but hey, as a side note, you know, uh, Liv's, Liv's uh, attire looked really nice. Yeah, it gave that Snow White bondage feel. Yes. And yes. the cameraman was definitely working over time to um, accentuate her acting. Yes, very, very acting, very accentuating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's this what is situating. Yeah, we're just going to leave it at that. All right, so <laughs> match number four. Edge and Rey Mysterio versus, versus the Judgment Day team of Finn Balor and Damian Priest. Yes. Of course, with Rhea Ripley on the Judgment Day side and Dominic Mysterio on the side of his father and Edge. Are you talking about Eddie Guerrero wasn't there? Okay. God damn it, Monkey. <laughs> Anyways, Monkey, starting with you, your thoughts on this match. Okay, well, um, first and foremost, you know, both teams out came out matching attire, ring attire, which is really good. They both look like and felt like teams. Um, you can obviously tell there was some animosity with Dominic through, throughout the match, uh, but he, he, he was kind of, you know, in his own thing. But the, uh, the match... Went pretty smoothly. Um, it was obviously a, a little bit more of a pick me up from the previous match, and obviously with the crowd firmly behind Edge and Rey Mysterio. And then the the uh, after of the match was really good and, and led to some speculations on two possibilities on on our parts. But I'm, I'm not going to get into that until after everyone gives their feel of the match. Sounds good to me. All right, D Twizzle, what you got? Yeah, I'm kind of along the same lines. It was more of a, a smooth match, a lot better than the previous one. You know, crowd was definitely participating in this one a lot. There was some good back and forth. You know, they um they they definitely made it a little bit more riveting, a little bit. You know, here and there in a couple of moments. So, you know, they tried to be able to. It was uh, you know it's kind of more of like a a story match. Yes. You know, and that's what I kind of boils down to with the way that they were kind of going about. You know, hitting their spots and sets and things like that. You know, and I, you know, but that at the sense you also kind of had this feeling more so focusing on what's going to happen afterwards, the fallout. It's like what you're anticipating for. You know, kind of like when you watch a Marvel movie, and then at the end of it, you're just more focused on the post credits. You know, that was the feeling that I was getting um, from this match. Right. Now, my opinion is <clears throat> overall good match. It was definitely a lot better than the last match. You know, it was a story match because it's building on the long-term booking of the Judgment Day, how Edge built it, mm-hmm. how they betrayed him, how they've been after the Mysterios, especially Mommy Ripley going after little Dominic Guerrero. I mean, sorry, yes. Mysterio. And leading up to the final part, yes, Ray and Edge got the victory they had some good chemistry they were an excellent tag team because they played on those on the fact that they were tag team champions at one point for a whole two weeks yeah but still good matches overall but the end of it yes so the end of it did see them pull the trigger on dominic turning on edge and his father now, let's talk about whenever Dominic kicked Edge right in the coin purse. Yes. The way that Edge sold it, like like that old school, oh, my God, you just shot me. Why? 
wide-eyed yeah. look. Right. And then he looked at him on his way down to, he's like, why? Why, Dominic? Why? Etu, Dominic. Why? Etu. Why the nuts? Why? And then, and then Dominic just slamming his elbow into his dad's head. And as also a quick, also side note, someone else got crushed earlier in the match too, and he sold it pretty well too, which was oh. Damian Priest. Priest. Yes. Barry Barricade. Barricade, yes. Yeah. The Barry Barricade, yes. <laughs> yes, yes. And he sold that yeah. perfectly too. I mean, for something that was like probably super padded, and, and then maybe it was just the leather, and maybe one. One nut went one way, the other one went the other way, and maybe that was what the controversy was, you know. Because but that man sold it. Come on, he, he's like breathing all hard, like he's about to give birth to like a six pound baby. He's like, I'm just like, and, well, he, even the ring announcer when she, because you you can see her right when it happened. She's like, oh, oh, that was perfect. She selling. sold it even better than he did. Yeah, <laughs> that that was perfect selling. It's like I see it in the rings, but not right in front of me. Yeah, like. Like, honestly, he's going to need, like, three or four ice packs after that. Mm-hmm. But let's talk, real quick, let's talk about Dominic Mysterio. Yes. Yes. Now, two options, as yes. you mentioned, Monkey. Yes. Option one is... So, the, the obvious pointing of, you know, Judgment Day, him joining Judgment Day, but, but that's not the site I see going on here, because he left the ring solo, and Judgment Day left on their, their own without him also. So... Which leads me to the second option um, of the call-up of Legado del Fantasma coming from NXT. Which then he would be saying he called them in as his backup, his new crew. And, of course, you know, them having Santos Escobar being his new uh, role model figure and, you know, trainer to to help him more in the classic arts of, of Lucha. As opposed to his dad basically not really wanting to teach him anything other than just enough for him to get by so he can continue in his own glory. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, <clears throat> honestly, how I see this, I mean, 50-50 booking relating to Dominic, which way he goes. Yes. It makes more sense for him to go with Legato. Yes. Because he will be able to learn. He will get more experience. He will get more ring time. And that's going to eventually lead up to the match between him and... And Rey Mysterio. Yes. So I'm excited for the possibilities on that. Matter of fact, I think having heel Dominic will be more exciting than babyface Dominic. Yes, definitely. So at least he's getting, you know, Eddie's mullet from whenever he was yes. a bad guy <laughs> down. So that's a good thing. All right. And so part of Los Gringos Locos. <laughs> Jesus. Anyway, so let's go ahead and talk about the next match, which was Matt Riddle. Yes, he does have his first name back. Versus Seth freaking Rollins. And freaking is right. Yeah, and what would be considered a very personal match? At least that's how they were booking it. Yes. Now, granted, you know, Seth won. Yes. Okay, anticipated. You know, give him a victory. They have another match probably on Monday or even... A match during Extreme Rules. Yeah, that's probably what they're building up to. Yeah. Probably like a steel cage or fall count anywhere or... Good old-fashioned street fight. Or, or, hear me out, the fight pit. A fight pit? Well, that would not work because, for... I because I know, because Seth Thatcher is, yeah. is not... Well, Seth Rollins also is not a quote-unquote cage fighter. 
build. He's, so, he's CrossFit Jesus with the Joker mentality. So this is my thing. The reason why I say the fight pit, because Riddle somehow can't beat him in a normal wrestling ring. Mm-hmm. Put him in something that would give Riddle an advantage. Something that Seth would actually suggest. You know, I'm a better wrestler than you. I bet I'm a better fighter than you. So let's do this in the fight pit. Because it's going to be coming down to ego. That's how I would book it. Now, granted, WWE will probably do like a steel cage match. Or, oh, hey, let's do a Hell in a Cell match. You know, something, something weird. But I would rather book it in the fight pit. But let's discuss this match a little bit. Okay. All right. Didn't it feel like they were trying to lean way too much on the personal aspect and turn it more into a fight than an actual match? Well, I, I say it, it, it was supposed to look like a personal match, more of a grudge match. Right. But it did look kind of sloppy because you could tell there were points where they were exchanging and then they kind of stopped. Like, what are we supposed to do now? Oh, yeah. Turn around. Your turn. Yeah. Because, you know, if it was supposed to look like more of a legit grudge match, they would have just kept wailing and pounding and it would have flip-flopped naturally, but it looked very, you know... Clunky. Uh, clunky and, as as they as, as uh, bad as to say in wrestling, looked very scripted. Yeah. And as yeah. it made it feel... You know, it was a good, okay match, but it, it kind of felt a little down because of that clunkiness in it. Yeah. Go ahead, DJ Wizzle. Yeah, so, I mean... By textbook definition, it was, you know, a grudge. You got the grudge part. The match part was a little bit lacking, though. Um, You know, because I just felt like, at least from, like, the Riddle side of the house, you know, a lot of his offense was a lot of, like, punches and kicks, uh, punches and kicks and things like that. But, you know, Rollins kind of had more of, like, a you know, wrestler-type mentality with the way that he went about his business. A lot of his stuff was, you know, it felt like it came a little bit more natural, especially given, like, the hype that was coming along with this. Yes, the the personal side of the business is what really kind of got in the way. You know, the wrestling aspect took more of a backseat. I kind of wish they would have put some type of stipulation on this match to kind of kind of even it out a little bit yeah you know as far as like some of the move sets and things like that it would have been a little bit better but you know that's all i could kind of get across it's like i wish they did put a, a stipulation on it to kind of make it even you know more intense especially for you know what well, this is the the pre the match uh before the main event was to come up so yeah. so i see where they wanted to put that more as like the co-mid event, if you really want to be technical about it. What got to me was the fact that they tried leaning more into the personal, but yet still try keeping it as a technical match. And it doesn't work all the time. Now, don't get me wrong. Matt Riddle, Seth Rollins, both of them phenomenal for what they do. This boiled down to having this match in the wrong place. Mm-hmm. This is the type of match that is more for like extreme rules or TLC. And, and that's probably what they're building up to for, yeah. for another match at extreme rules. Which, um, is, which is fine. I don't mind that. This match was a pushback from SummerSlam initially. Yeah. And granted, this is their first time actually meeting in the ring together and actually 
Like they, in a, they've had a couple matches. Well, before, talking right? about in premium live events. Mm. Like this is their first premium live event. Nerves may have affected it. Communication may have been a factor, but overall, I mean, it wasn't a bad match. It was clunky. It did look scripted. It didn't. Once again, just like Liv and Shayna, it just didn't feel natural. Yeah. And that for premium live events, the matches have to be able to flow. They have to look natural. Now, granted, did some of the other matches look natural? No, the six women tag had a couple of clunky moments. Mm-hmm. You know, um, this one had a couple of clunky moments. Liv... And Shayna had a lot of clunky moments. But it did have a great spot with, you know, Shayna doing the loose pose. Yeah. I forgot to mention that. Yep, yep. That was a good part. (laughs) She's like, yay. But, you know, with Seth winning and with the buildup that they had up to this match, they're not just going to let it go. Yeah. There is going to be some type of fallback for Extreme Rules. I see it now. It's going to be a Cody Rhodes on a pole match. (laughs) <laughs> Thank God they don't do pole matches anymore. But then again, you never know. All right. So, gentlemen, now it is time to talk about the main event. Drew McIntyre being the challenger and Roman Reigns being the undisputed. Universal. Yep. WWE Universal Heavyweight Champion. World Universal Heavyweight Champion. Uh, you know, there's too many words in this bloody thing. European, intercontinental, yeah. US, NXT, UK, 24-7, women's, UK. men's, mixed tag, trios, champion right. of the world. But anyways... King of the octagon, <laughs> fight pit. <seven>. Now, <laughs> so, D-Twizzle, your thoughts on this match? You know, overall, it was good. You know, like I said, the between the Roman Reigns and the Lesnar match, that was going to be a hard act to follow. You know, this... You know, felt more borderline of like a regular match match type of thing. And, you know, the, McIntyre put in, you know, phenomenal effort and things like that. Got the crowd behind him for sure. But, you know, it it just kind of seems like we've, we've seen this story before. Matter of fact, when Reigns was walking down the ramp, you know, the announcer dude kept on like mentioning all these other people that he's like done and how long he's had it and... Almost like seven hundred and like thirty days or something. Seven hundred thirty-four so far. Yeah. So it's like you know. So you know, it's probably easy to kind of bet on Reigns kind of winning, and you know, and and it's kind of hard to see like when when is he whenever is he going to actually drop these belts at some point? You know, this thing has been ongoing so forever. He's probably practically gone through most of the main roster at this point. You know, so. But I, I was—I had my money on Reigns winning, and lo and behold, that's kind of like how it happened. But I think give credit to WWE for being able to, you know, still try to find unique ways for him to be able to still come out on top. You know, especially when it looks like he's, you know, quote, you know, on, like on the ropes, literally. <laughs> so or on the mat. Yeah, on the mat. Yeah. But monkey, your thoughts? Well, this match again um, started out. The the start of it is what really made this match look different than normal. Because, again, first, before even Drew McIntyre came out, they did his Broken Dreams vignette, and which was phenomenal. We thought he was going to come out to Broken Dreams, but no, he still came out to his, his McIntyre music, which kind of let down, but, you know, what it is is... Uh, but then the most surprising part of it was Reigns coming out solo. 
and and that 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 has a little innuendo for later. Um, yeah, because he had no bloodline, no no Sammy line, because uh, them being storyline taken out on Friday by by Drew McIntyre. No wise man. No wise man, because he's he's still dead from and doing his weekend at Bernie's impression <laughs> from from uh, being killed by Brock Lesnar. Yep. So. So and then it starts all, you know they do the the big fight intros, and they get right into it. Um, and then they go back and forth, and it, it they they did basically pull the emotions of everyone into it, and it did have that feel of Drew's gonna get it, Drew's gonna get it, and of course you know you even see the sign in the crowd if if, if rains wins we riot, and yeah. So but the the match went pretty much how we we all suspected it was gonna go. Um, the, there, there were the rumors flowing around that maybe McIntyre might take it because of the, uh, the the network information that's been going on with USA kind of being a little upset that they don't have a champion on USA on Raw. Mm-hmm. But you know, hey, they got they got the they got NXT, they got champions on that. Yeah, but the thing is, Raw they got like five it, of them on there. Raw <laughs> is the biggest thing. Almost like ten of them now with with the Royals flag coming up now. But anyways, so <clears throat> my view of this. And we do have to talk about some of the high spots here. Yes. One, carrying Cross, interfering a little bit, getting Drew McIntyre's attention. You know, good booking. Mm-hmm. Because, of course, you know that carrying Cross and Drew McIntyre's coming up. Yes. Because, you know, eventually carrying Cross will be in the main event scene facing off against someone with the title. Yes. Depending on who it is. Number two, Sakura Miko. <laughs> number two, the idea of Roman Reigns using the rock bottom, or actually a, a piss poor version of the rock bottom. He just used a basic uranagi. Still, it foreshadows a little bit of the buildup between what is proposed in WrestleMania being the rock versus Roman for the undisputed title. Yes. Number three, Theory trying to cash in his money in the bank contract and getting smooth knocked out by Tyson Fury. He got killed. Oh, that that was just beautiful. He he got destroyed. And see, times like that is where it actually feels a little bit better when there's a celebrity interference as opposed to, say, you know, Mickey Rourke knocking out Chris Jericho. Yeah. <laughs> yes, Mickey Rourke had a, a, a boxing background, but obviously he'd been acting for the last 20 years and not really keeping the physique of a boxer during that time. Yeah, exactly. Then, of course, we do have to talk about how Roman won the match. Yes. With the newest member of the bloodline showing up, being the Usos' younger brother, Solo Sokoa. Yes. Which I called it. I called it. I knew that he was going to show up. And it made sense. Yes. Because you don't have Sami Zayn. Yep. You don't have the Usos. They're out. You don't have Paul Heyman. Yep. Who do you call? Who do you have? You have to have someone. McAfee. Pat McAfee. That would have been hilarious. But anyways. Because since he wasn't <laughs> there either. That means. Oh, darn. True. But having Solo... Come into the bloodline because it there's been talks about it for a very long time. There's been people alluding that he was going to get that call up. It was just a matter of when. 
and having him come during this time made sense. So I'm excited to see Solo be part of the bloodline. The man is a good wrestler. Yes. And he still has room to grow. I mean, looking at his matches in NXT, he is very much a hard hitter. He is not like Jimmy and Jay flying around. He is pretty much the Samoan version of Kevin Owens. Ooh. 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 Now I see what's about to happen. The Samoan Kevin Owens? Samoan Kevin Owens? No, 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 no. <laughs> so, so, so play, play with me on this. No, whoa, whoa, whoa. Not in that sense. But, you know, vibe with me a little bit. Solo versus Kevin Owens. Two prize fighters yeah. duking it out. Sam, for the custody of Sami Zayn. We all know that Sammy's going to get his ass whooped here pretty soon, and Kevin Owens is going to come to the rescue. Yeah. So I have a feeling that's going to happen, but we'll talk about that later. Overall, of course, Roman Reigns did win. Yes. Interference from Solo. Well, the first thing was the, the bump spot where they took out Little Nage. Yep. Yeah. And then Inside. the second if that came down with, uh, the theory. With, with Theory, when Theory was attempting to cash in, ended up uh, rolling in for the pinfall on McIntyre, or McIntyre on Reigns, Reigns yeah. when, after he hit the Claymore. And then that's when Solo Sokoa popped up from underneath the ring, who I guess apparently he'd been underneath there all night. You know, he must have been sleeping down there. Probably. Mm-hmm. Since the night before. Um, he got shipped in the box, I guess. You know, I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, but anyways, continue. And then pops up and pulls the ref out right when he's getting ready to hit the three. And then at that point, when... Drew is looking over like the hell happened. Turns around, gets speared. Little Nate comes back in, coming back to life, and counts the three count after the spear. Yep. So overall view of this match because we didn't rate the matches honestly because we have a lot more that we're going to be discussing. Yes. But overall score just for the entire event. So Monkey, what is your score from one to five? I give it a. 4.25 because again um, as we said earlier there's a there was a lot of bouncing back where there was some good high matches like the Seamus Gunther match um, the uh, Judgment Day versus Mysterio Edge match and the McIntyre versus Reigns match were, were all good but then the other three matches were kind of eh, you know yeah so it, 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 it fluctuated so much and uh, the, the other matches, they're a little bit more decent. I would probably give it a higher four, 4.75 probably. But just those three matches being the main ones are what keeping it above water, really. Yeah. All right. D-Twizzle, what, from one to five, your rating of Clash at the Castle. I'm going to give it a three and a half. Um, you know, I kind of was thinking this is more of kind of like a very glorified house show. You know, a lot of different bells and whistles and stuff. Um, like I said, there was some, you know, very good high points like the Gunther Sheamus. But I feel like the low points and things were a little bit too noticeable to kind of just, you know, um, look over. You know, especially with the uh, Shayna Baszler match and the um, and some stuff with the riddle and then with the first match. So it gets a three and a half for me. So I'm going to give it a four even. Because, yeah, it, there were some clunky spots, mm-hmm. but overall, 
for coming back to the United Kingdom after 30 30, years? 30 years. And just seeing how hyped the crowd was. Yes. And of course, you know, for something like that, just to be able to feel the emotion while watching and how much they love and adore, the show delivered what it was intended to deliver. You know, was it a glorified house show? In a way, yeah. But it is one that have people talking and it progresses storyline. So I enjoy that. So my score is a four. All right, so. And just as a quick sidecap also. Yep, go ahead. Um, there were stars in attendance at the show. Uh, Tyson Fury, obviously, we, we, we mentioned. Yep. And then um, Bret Hart was there as well because they were, again, mentioning the Bret Hart versus British Bulldog David Boy Smith match from 92. That happened in... Uh, Wimbledon Stadium. Uh, other than that, uh, they had uh, Ad- Adrian Street and Miss Linda were there. Yep. From Classic NXT. Uh, or not NXT, WWE. Yep. yep. And WWFE. Um, they did show, apparently, Johnny Saint was in the crowd as well. Yep. Um, who was old school classic wrestling as well as was the NXT UK uh, general manager. And... Uh, UFC welterweight champion Leon Edwards was there as well. And let's see. Tyson Fury. I guess Tyson Fury. Um, anything else? Just double checking here. I think that was pretty much all the ones that they mentioned. Yeah. Looks like that appears to be all of them. Yes. Perfect. Now, we move from Carnath back here to the United States. For NXT, NXT UK Worlds Collide. Now, this is going to be the final Worlds Collide involving NXT UK. Yes. As they begin the shift to NXT Europe. So, this overall is unification time. The majority of the matches and all the champions will be fighting to unify the titles. So this is going to have some serious ramifications across the board to see who's going to remain in NXT, who may be going into NXT Europe, and or who... even who may be getting called up. Yeah, call up too, which <clears throat> Triple H loves calling up the newer talent. Yes. Because if they're showing desire and everything, you know, he wants them on the big show. Yes. So let's start off with... The unification fatal four-way elimination match, which puts the Creed brothers, who are the NXT champions, versus Brooks Jensen and Josh Briggs, who are the NXT UK champions, versus Pretty Deadly versus Gallus. Now, this one is going to be a very interesting match. My prediction is going to be, honestly, truthfully, it's going to be Brooks Jensen and Josh Briggs. Now, the reason why is because I have a feeling that Roderick Strong is going to interfere and cost the Creed Brothers. Or Tony D'Angelo is going to interfere and cost the Creed Brothers. So, what are your thoughts, Monkey? I am very much kind of in the same boat here. um, But I do see a possible, just a weird shift here. Okay, I'm thinking possibly... Pretty Deadly is going to take it. 
Okay, I can see that too. Because then at that point, um, it will give someone for Brooks and Jensen, uh, Jensen and Briggs. I keep saying Brooks and Jensen because yeah, yeah, Brooks Jensen and Josh Briggs someone to to fight with, and either the Creed brothers will continue to to feud also back for the title, or possibly even them getting called up because they they kind of are getting that that look like they might be getting called up soon. Yeah. So that would be where that would go. Uh, Gallus, um, that they're kind of, they're, they obviously have that feel that they should be a very dominating team, but I think they are only just here just for this until it, NXT Europe pops up. Yep, yep, yep. And they'll probably be one of the main ty- fighters for the Europe NXT Europe type tag team title when they get get them into place. Yep. All right. So D Twizzle, your thoughts on this match? Well, this is going to be pretty interesting. You know, I'm kind of reading up on it, but it seems like all three of these teams have a very high capability to be able to win this. But, you know, I, I kind of feel like they should go with the, um, was it the Creed brothers? They, they got enough talent so to be able to actually come on here and maybe pull off an upset. Okay, I can see that too. All right, so the next match that we have to talk about, and mind you, no way in hell I'm going to be calling this NXT 2.0. Yeah. Because, honestly, this is going to be shifting back to how the black and gold brand feels, and that's what it's be really beginning to feel like. Now, the next one is going to be the Women's Championship unification match between Mandy Rose, who is the NXT Women's Champion, versus Miko Satomura, who is the NXT UK Champion, Versus the challenger, Blair Davenport. Now, I like how Blair is involved in the match. Because it gives a wild card factor. And of course, all the different NXT or former NXT stars and champions that were on NXT this, this during this week. Yes. You know, I could see Blair winning it. I could see her winning it. It'd be very interesting. But with the talks of Pretty Deadly possibly being moved up to the main roster again. Yeah. Or at least Mandy being moved up to the main roster in, not Pretty Deadly, Toxic Attraction as an entire unit. But you have to remember Gigi Dolan is injured right now. Well, she was kind of back in, in, in form on on SmackDown, or not SmackDown, but this last NXT also. Okay. But she did get involved in the the women's tag team title match between... Katana Chance and Ken Carter. Wait, was that it? Yeah. Against someone else. Who are they fighting? Oh, yeah. Ivy Nile and, and Tatum Paxley. Yeah, yeah. So. so I have a feeling that due to the fact that Mandy will probably be getting called up with the rest of Toxic Attraction, that it's either going to be Mako or Blair. And my best bet's going to be with Blair. Due to the fact that I have a feeling that Mako really doesn't want to move to the States. Mm-hmm. It's going to be more her going into NXT Europe. You know, former champion NXT UK, NXT Europe, she goes there. My vote is going to be for Blair. So, D-Twizzle, your predictions for this match? I'm kind of thinking along the same lines. I think what Blair would say number one contender or something like that previously going into everything. So, yep. um, so like I said, I think something like that seems feasible and more possible just because of 
easier setup and things like you said with uh going into europe and stuff so you know that i don't know if people would consider that being an upset or not but it seems like she has more than what it takes to be able to come out there and actually win this uh especially with those two especially if there's going to be you know other you know personal issues or things like that that'll happen uh with that so my money's on blair monkey what are your thoughts I am in the same boat here. Um, they, they made the kind of allusion, basically, to kind of like with uh, WrestleMania a couple years back, where it was Becky Lynch against Charlotte Flair against Ronda Rousey for the, both of the women's titles at that point, uh, where she is the non-champion coming into this match, and she, she has everything to gain and nothing to lose in it, which then makes it a bigger thing for her to become the new women's champion. In NXT, right, right. Everyone else getting going back to their represented brands, and you know, toxic attraction getting called up. All right. So the next match we're going to discuss is the NXT Women's Tag Team Championship match: Caden Carter and Katana Chance. Sorry, Katana Chance versus Nikki Ash and Dewdrop. Now, granted, I know they want to add in a little extra star power, so they're pulling other people in from their top shows being Raw and SmackDown. You know, honestly, I'm, I've been thinking about this. Mm-hmm. I try not to. It hurts. Good point. But I think Caden and Katana are going to win it. Mm-hmm. Because honestly, what would be the part? What would be the point of bringing Nikki Ash and Dewdrop, and and have them win? To me, it would be extremely messed up for them to give the belts to Caden and Katana, just for them to lose them. Not even two weeks later, roughly. And that just diminishes them as a team. So my my bet is Caden and Katana to win. What do you think, D Twizzle? And along the same lines, I think Nikki and Dewdrop have establishment with the um, you know on the bigger brand and things. And this might just be a way to kind of help put those other two, you know, give them a little bit of uh, kind of like a push in a sense. You know, saying that, oh, they're going up against some pretty, you know, decent, relatively decent opponents and stuff. And they might be able to, you know, be able to put on a different show, especially with them being a little bit more like veterans. And I think with the other tag team being a little bit more experienced, it'd be a good, you know, good match for them to be able to kind of, you know, do like a show and prove, you know, be able to put on more of a show if you're going up against some, you know, highly talented people. So I think that uh, actually will be beneficial for the um, the Caden uh, tag team. So I believe that their side will win. And, um, you know, not think everyone would be good for it. I think they just needed, you know, just a little bit of like more worthier opponents than probably what they were getting out of uh, NXT. So, oh, out of everyone else they were fighting with NXT, I think. All right, Monkey, your thoughts. And I'm pretty much in the same boat. It's uh, Casey Square is going to probably retain. Just the the match is more or less just so that they have a match, because at this point, World's Clyde is essentially going to be you know the unifications of all the NXT to UK titles, and of course they didn't have an an alt 
title in NXT UK for the Women's Tag Team Champions. So, giving them just a match just to have, and it will be um, a good uh, veteran versus, I guess you'd say kind of rookies, but they've they've also been kind of doing this for a couple years at this point here now. Um, but it, it's a good learning curve for, for KC Square to go against the, the do-ash, as I call them. <laughs> I think it's kind of funny though because they got. I'm looking this up. Uh, uh, Kaden Chance was also on that Ninja Warrior thing. So yep. Kaden Casaro <laughs> so was her, her her real name. Yeah, it, and she was apparently like the first woman to win it. To well, she won. She actually completed one of the first courses, but she actually didn't win. If I remember hmm. correctly, I looked through the stuff on her. If I remember correctly, she didn't actually win. She 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 completed the first course, but she didn't win it. Yeah, I'll be interested to see how that match actually turns out. I mean, I wonder if they're just like, well, you're athletic. I guess we can somewhat quasi-teach you how to be a wrestler. Maybe uh, maybe she fits into that, like Liv Morgan. Well, No, so, she's better than Liv. Yeah, oh, sorry, oh, I didn't mean to say that. Out loud. She I'm can, she, she's, um, well, I, I'm going to say it this way. Uh, uh, she's kind of um, got like the... Uh, the the uh, the Bella School of Thought for wrestling training. Oh, okay. All right. So, continuing on, we gotta talk about the North American Championship match: Carmelo Hayes, the champion, versus the one and only Ricochet. Now, to me, this may actually become the match of the night. Yeah. Because both of them are extremely talented. They're high flyers. They're very good with striking. Say the right words. Say the right words. I am not about to say it. (laughs) I'll let you say it, but I'm not about to say it. But honestly, this is going to be a good veteran versus up-and-comer match, just like the previous one. But. Uh Uh-oh. But. What are you talking about, buts? As much as I'd like to see... Carmelo retain because he's your cousin. No, we're no relation. Don't 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 start that today. <laughs> as much as I'd like to see Carmelo retain, there have been talks about Ricochet possibly going back to NXT, and this would be an interesting way to keep Ricochet in NXT. So. Even though I want Carmelo to win, I have this feeling that Ricochet is going to win it. Because look at Apollo Crews. Mm. He had a very lackluster run on the main roster. And now he's back. Ricochet, yeah, he's picking up momentum. He's getting some wins. Granted, over Happy Corbin. but And he was IC champion for a little bit before getting demolished by Gunther. Mm-hmm. But him going back to NXT to help the new talent, just like how Apollo is, I think it would be more beneficial. So I'm going to say Ricochet is going to take it. Uh, Monkey, your thoughts? I'm actually in the other boat here. Um, I- I'm going to say Carmelo is going to maintain and retain because this is going to be one of those uh, other challenges where He's, you know, obviously going to come into this match um, as the underdog, technically going against Ricochet, even though he is the current champion. Um, but it's it's going to be another one of those veterans, kind of with the the rookie, and showing the the progress that the rookie is making as the champion, and then 
next pay-per-view or premium live event after is when he'll probably drop the title and be called up. Right. Is what I'm looking at. <clears throat> All right, D-Twizzle, your thoughts? Kind of along that same boat. You know, you could make this match into being something where it's like the, you know, the old guard kind of helping out the new guard, giving him an opponent to really, like, be able to really showcase his talents. Right. You know, on one side, but... You know, even at the same time, I wouldn't mind seeing Ricochet actually pull this out. You know, especially if he does plan on staying down there. I think he'd be able to... I think there's a lot of talent, I think, with NXT that would be able to put on some... He have a, a lot of good matches, I would think, with some of the people there. Um, not to say that Carmella wouldn't, but, you know, given Ricochet's pedigree and things like that, he would make for a very worthy opponent you know and so and especially with something you know with NXT they probably could use a little bit of like you know given some of the other champion you know people coming from like main roster back down there you know a little bit of weight you know if they're being sent down there at least I think that would be like incentive you know might have a chance to you know hold on to a belt for a little bit be able to put on a string of good matches and stuff and probably make a pretty compelling you know, one of those uh, Frazier Ali type of things. If the uh, Hayes and Ricochet fight really actually puts on a, a showstopper, then they probably have more reasons to really kind of go back and forth. Right. All right. So the final match that we have to discuss is the unification title match between Braun Breaker being the NXT champion and Tyler Bate being the NXT UK champion. Oh, this one's going to be hard. Honestly, I can see it going one or two ways. Either A, Breaker retains, Mm -hmm. and he has a pretty long run as the unified champion before they call him up, or Tyler Bate wins, and Breaker gets called up to Raw or SmackDown. I'm thinking more he's going to get called to SmackDown because they need some more people. So I'm going to go... Honestly, I'm going to play like the wild card here. I'm going to go with Tyler. I'm going to go with Tyler Bate. Oh, I'm sorry, Tyler Bates. But for some reason, on this on this article that I'm reading, they have it as Tyler Bate. So yeah, Tyler Bates is my cho- is my choice. Um, Monkey, I'm going to say Braun Breaker is going to take this one. Also, um, again, Tyler Bates is probably more lined up for NXT Europe. Yeah, and. Um, Breaker, I think they're going to continue his dominance in NXT until probably about WrestleMania is when they're going to probably call him up to the main roster at that point. So that's when he'll probably end up dropping the title. But I, I'm, I'm going with Breaker to, to, to retain and and uh, unify and dominate and, you know, do some math in there like his uncle. All right, D-Twizzle, your prediction. Yeah, no, I think at this point, Breaker has done Excuse me. what takes Baby to withhold, uh, withhold on to that title. You know, like you said, he's been the face for that 2.0 rebrand for a hot minute now. And, you know, it's just a matter of time before they do call him up. But, you know, him being able to drop the belt, 
right now, right now, it just probably wouldn't make a lot of sense. I think they still got a couple more months, so I think he'll still be able to retain, be able to still be able to throw his weight around down there enough. Maybe have a couple of appearances here and there at one of like the bigger brands, but I feel like in this moment that he'll still retain the retain the title for the time being. All right, gentlemen. So that concludes our discussion on NXT NXT World Collide. Now let's move on to the final pay-per-view that is going to be happening this weekend being AEW all out. Now I'm going to be mentioning all of the matches that are on here that I have on this list. It isn't really talking about the ones on the pre-show. Uh, I have a list here with the pre-show matches, but they don't have them separated. All right. Oh, actually kind of do. All right. So monkey, I'll let you go for it. Run them down. All right. So on the pre-show, or zero hour, they're going to have, looks like four matches here, um, according to this list I got, which is uh, Tomohiro Ishii versus Eddie Kingston. Uh, second match listed is Pac versus Kip Sapien for the Atlantic Championship. Uh, third match listed is Hook versus Angela Parker for the FTW Championship. And fourth match listed is the uh, Ty Mello and Sammy Guevara Versus Ruby Soho and Ortiz for the AAA Mixed Championship belts. So those are the four listed on the pre-show or for Zero Hour, at least at this point. Okay. Um, and then there's apparently ten c- matches on the main card listed. Uh, I have uh, Brian Danielson versus Chris Jericho. And Tony Storm versus Britt Baker versus Jamie Hayter versus Hikaru Shida for the Interim Women's Championship. Um... Uh, then there's going to be a trios match, which is House of Black uh, versus Darby Allen, Sting, and Miro. Uh, and then the TBS title, Jade Cargill versus Athena. <laughs> uh, and then just a normal match, uh, Jungle Boy versus Christian Cage. Uh, another trios match, but not in any shape or form of anything other than just a battle of Warlow and FTR versus Jay Lethal and the Mortar City Machine Guns. Um, the Casino uh, Ladder Match, which will be uh, Claudio Castanoli, Wheeler Yuta, uh, Penta, Ray, Phoenix, Roosh, Andrade El Idolo, Dante Martin, and the uh, Joker. Then the Tag Team Title Match, uh, Swerve in Our Glory versus The Acclaimed. Um, and then uh, Ricky Starks versus Powerhouse Hobbs. And then for the Trios Championship the Elite, which is Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks versus Hangman Adam Page and Dark Orders, Alex Reynolds and John Silver. And then the uh, world title match of Moxley versus CM Punk. Alright, so we're going to focus in on four specific matches. Yes. Maybe five. But number one, we have to talk about the casino ladder match. Yes. Now, the big thing is who is the Joker? Now, there's a lot of people that are predicting that it may be MJF, which would make some good sense to give him an opportunity to go for the title because what was has he ever went for the AEW world title that you remember? He has not, actually. He's no. he's had matches against uh, people who end up becoming the champion, but he never actually has gone for the actual title. So this is an opportunity. Yes, <clears throat> Then, of course, you have to think Adam Cole is getting close to being cleared to compete. Right. 
Then I also thought of something because W. Morrissey just popped up. That's true. So he could always be utilized. Yeah. Um, Lance, Lance Archer could be utilized. There's a lot of talent that they have from their homegrown division and also people that are considered WWE pools that could be involved in this. My prediction on this one is going to be whoever the Joker is, is going to be the one to win. And that's usually what tends to happen. Yeah. But, yeah. but especially specifically, um, my, my calls on it, it's probably going to be MJF because since he hasn't been seen for a while and this would be the perfect time for him to come back and challenge for whoever ends up with the world title. Yes, I definitely agree. What do you think, D-Twizzle? Um, I'm optimistic that that would be the one that he would come back to. Um, you know, but at the same time, I I don't know if I've ever even seen him in an actual ladder match, you know, before. So, I mean, that, that would be interesting in and of itself, but... Um, the Dynamite Diamond Ring matches. Oh, okay. Those are Battle Royals mostly, though. Yeah. yeah. No, that is right. That is right. Yeah. You know, he's never been in a ladder match. That, yeah, that's At least not in AEW. Right. Like, that's what I'm saying. It would, see, it would feel weird. Like, I could see that, like, at a, you know, battle, like, a big, like, Battle Royale event where he just had to, like, wrestle or something, you know. But, um, I don't know. It could be anybody. I was thinking it was going to be that uh, John Morrison-looking person because I haven't seen him. Mm, Johnny Elite. Yeah. Well, he's already done with AEW oh, for so, right now. So he oh. only had just a temporary one, huh? Yeah. Oh, okay. Kind of like uh, Matt Cardona did. Yep. Hmm. All right. So the second match that we have to focus in on is the American Dragon Brian Danielson versus Lionheart Chris Jericho. Now, this is going to be a very technical match, but it's also going to be super violent. Yes. Because, you know, both of them have in a have a little um, affliction to bleeding. J- just being serious, being out there. But I have a feeling that two things are going to happen. Uh huh. One, Jericho's going to try to cheat. Actually, three things. Two, Garcia, Daniel Garcia, is going to stop Jericho from cheating. And three. Brian Danielson is going to pick up the victory. That is what I see happening because they're edging Daniel Garcia to leave the Jericho Appreciation Society and hopefully eventually will join Blackpool Combat Club, which, and we talked about this a long time ago, Monkey, just on normal conversation because once Ring of Honor actually starts televising, they could have two factions of Blackpool Combat Club. Right. You know, Claudio, Wheeler, and then whoever else for a Ring of Honor. And then you have Moxley, Danielson, and Garcia, and of course Regal, bouncing yeah. between both shows for AEW. And of course, the only time that they really interact is whenever there's special events. Right. So I foresee that happening. And this is the start of the buildup for that. So, we're going to go to you, D-Twizzle. What is your predictions for this match? All right. So, my money's definitely on Brian Danielson. I think a lot of his, he's trying to get revenge for being uh, taken out at the double or nothing pay-per-view. 
So this is kind of like a little bit of a retribution for him to be able to get, you know, more of his looks in. And like you said, hopefully there is a spot that they have for Daniel Garcia so you can kind of convince him to, you know, join the light side of the force or something, you know. You know, because, you know, everybody's going to be chanting out, you know, he's a wrestler and everything like that. But, no, I think Danielson will pull this one out, no doubt. All right, Monkey, your prediction. I'm in pretty much the same boat, and especially since that that Dynamite after this Wednesday that's coming up is going to be in Buffalo, New York, which is Daniel Garcia's hometown. So it would make sense for him to do the babyface thing and, you know, Basically, call out Jericho, and and push Danielson into the win by Jericho getting caught up in his stuff, and then him being essentially turned on by the Jericho Appreciation Society, and then Blackpool Combat Club, you know, coming in to to back up Dan, uh, Garcia and Danielson, and you know, definitely give him a kind of quote unquote hero's welcome back in Buffalo. I like that. All right. <clears throat> The next match we have to talk about is going to be the interim women's AEW championship match. The fatal four-way between Tony Storm, Dr. Brick, Brett Baker, DMD, Hikaru Shida, and Jamie Hayter. Now, my prediction for this one, it's building up to where Jamie's going to get it. Quite honestly. Because she technically was supposed to win the match against Thunder Rosa. Yeah, there's some weird wonky writing stuff relating to that. But, yeah. I have a feeling that Jamie Hayter's going to take it. Quite honestly. So, Monkey, you have that face of you think someone else is going to do it. Definitely. And I bet your bet's going to be Tony Storm, right? Yes, because that is the one who was kind of slated to win initially the match between... Storm and and Rosa at this this paper initially, and also then it builds it back to Storm versus Thunder Rosa when when Rosa's back if she Cause, comes back because with the um, kind of the backstage heat on Thunder Rosa and uh, kind of interim heat between her and Hater, I don't see Hater um, getting it and fighting Rosa for the actual unification match. Oh, I do, because it'll teach Thunder Rosa not to be such a... You know what? If anyone has ever heard some of the tirades that Thunder Rosa has had recently on Busted Open Radio, I suggest that you begin to listen to it. Remember, it's on XM Sirius, or you can actually find some of the episodes online on YouTube.com. But anyways, continuing on. Well, and also the fact that it might become a little way to uh street uh shoot if it comes down to those two in the ring and to which at that point uh Jamie Hayter has a little bit more physicality than uh Thunder Rosa really does True. if she really wants to go and push it and that would not be very good for a potential lawsuit happening if it gets too wild. True, true. All right, D-Twizzle, your prediction. Actually, that makes me actually want to see that even more now. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I see? mean, it's nothing more than actually feeling like it's if there's some natural real-life heat when it comes to a natural match. But, no, I'm, you know, I'm optimistic. I really do want uh, Jamie to actually come out and be the champion. I feel that she's definitely someone who's paid her dues. Amazing in-ring performer. Every I think what really um, put me into the hater 
Camp was her match against uh, it Rico, the little Rio. Rio. Rio, yeah. I still like that match was just like what in the world, you know? Talk about somebody who really like went above and beyond the Call of Duty, and you know she, you know she she's definitely I, I feel like she's probably one of the better uh, female wrestlers out there, and I think it's about time she ends up getting her own little individual you know push. Her moment in the sun, I should say. And hopefully this does allow for Jamie Hayter to break away from Britt Baker and actually start a program between those two. Because well, that would be an interesting thing. See, and this is the thing that that I see in the long-term booking, as Tony Khan and them like to try to say, is Tony Storm wins this. Okay. Thunder Rosa comes back. Okay. Tony Storm beats Thunder Rosa to become the actual... World Unified Women's Title Champion. And then from there, Jamie Hayter starts a program with Tony Storm. And then Hayter wins the title from Tony Storm then. And that's when Britt Baker gets jealous and and attacks her. I can see it in multitude ways. I like that way too because, yeah, AEW loves the long term. So, all right. And the final match that we do have to talk about is the AEW World Championship match. John Moxley being the champion versus the straight edge Messiah CM Punk. Honestly, I see this going in the way of Punk regaining. Mm. Mainly for the reason, because if the Joker so happens to be MJF, this re-kicks their program that they had, what, last year? Or or early on this year? Earlier this year. Yeah, earlier this year. So this kicks in that program because, mind you, Punk got the win. No. Uh, MGF got the win. No, because Punk. remember, Punk used the the ring mm. and knocked him out. Yep, I remember that. Well, that was the second time they fought. Yeah, that's the second time. So now you have to have a rubber match. Yep. And this would be the opportunity. The stakes would be higher. There's more on the line. Does Punk pull off the miracle? Or does MGF finally get his due? Because he's never held the world title. Mm-hmm. And he's one of the four pillars. Actually, he's never held any of the titles other than the diamond ring. Exactly. Not the TNT. Nope. Not the world. Mm-mm. Not a tag. No. Not even the TBS or Women's title. Not the FTW <laughs> title. Which doesn't really count either. No, it doesn't count. Well, it counts, but it doesn't count. It's one of those wonky things. Not the the 24-7 one. Wait, no. Wrong wrong promotion. (laughs) But that that is my prediction. The 24-7, Bourbon Street, I-95. Bourbon. Anyways. But anywho, my prediction is going to be that CM Punk is going to pull this one out. Not in that way. But he's going to win. So, Monkey, your prediction. I would have to say, um, yeah, CM Punk was probably going to get it, win it again. Um, Just in the sheer facts of one, they're in Chicago. And then two, that it is the build-up for if MJF is the Joker and wins the Casino Battle Royal ladder match, that it does set for um, MJF CMP3. And hopefully sets up for MGF becoming the world champion. Yep, yep. D Twizzle. Yeah, um, that's the thing. Like I, I do like Moxley, but even if, uh, like you said, it's all contingent on if um, 
MJF comes back in the ladder match. I feel like if he's not there in the ladder match, then I feel like Moxley will retain. But, you know, it's just a hard time because I can't picture MJF going up against Moxley and MJF kind of like beating him. I just feel like that just wouldn't flow right, you know? So, And there's not really too much history between Moxley and MJF. Yeah. So honestly. Right. So I feel like if all that happens, then yeah, um, can definitely see Punk getting it. It just seems like given how their last match went on Dynamite, it seems like it'd just be like, man, what the, you know, it's kind of one of those things where you're just like, man, really that, like after that, and then you go into it, then he drops it. You know, I feel like there will definitely be a lot of factions with people getting kind of upset about that whole spiel. Right. So overall, gentlemen, we have reviewed Clash at the Castle. We have given our predictions for Worlds Collide. We have given our predictions for All Out. (sighs) Now it's time for us to prepare. Yes, indeed. So, ladies and gentlemen, what we've been alluding to, and we talked about this a little bit last week and a little bit in previous episodes. A long time ago, and I'm going to repeat this again, during season two and season three, we would put individuals through what we called the movie challenge, in which we would assign individuals pretty much the worst of the worst movies that we could find. I mean, we found some bad ones. Very bad. We found some good ones that are bad, but yet for what they're worth, they're funny as hell. Not once have me and Monkey actually done a movie challenge. Yes. Until tonight. Yes. And D Twizzle gets to join us for this because he is a co-host. Um, so we have went with the theme of sharks. And we're going to be watching four movies tonight. Four? Four. Three really bad ones and one that actually looks pretty damn cool. Yeah. Cool? So, yeah. um, Uh, You want me to give the rundown or you want to do the rundown? I'll do the rundown because this was my bloody suggestion anyways. So we will be watching Sharks of the Corn. By Stephen King. Yeah, it's a Stephen King parody type deal. Stephen King's uh, Korean cousin. Yeah. Then we will be watching Ouija Shark and Ouija Shark 2. For those, so for our listeners in Canada that have seen this, these two movies before, we will be watching them. And we will be watching Shark Side of the Moon. Yeah. Shark Side. Which Monkey is very... Very excited for. Oh, yeah. That looks just like the coolest movie ever. I don't know. I'm, I might need to get a hold of Elon Musk and be like, hey, Muskie, we need to build a base on the moon and we need to get some, we need some to sharks. We need some to people. Make some shark people. You know? Come yeah. on, Muskie. Go on to do, do some manifest destiny and clear out the moon for some sharks, man, so we can you know, set up our proper establishment. And you'll be like, well, damn it. That's awesome. That's a good plan. Let's do that. Yep. Let me grab my portal gun right quick. <laughs> good God Almighty. Like, oh, no. Let's do this, Muskie. Musk and monkey. And tomorrow, once we actually wake up, because this is pretty much a big slumber party type deal that we're doing to watch all these, just hang out, have fun for Labor Day weekend. And do our nails. We're going to... No, we are not. Tiger beat. No, 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 no. We're not doing any of that. Uh-uh. It's like, hey. 
what hair? Itty twizzle. Itty twizzle. No. What kind of guy do you like? Um, let me see. Okay, pause, 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 pause. So we're going to be <laughs> watching these movies. And tomorrow before, um, before Worlds Collide, we'll be back on the air to do our review of all four movies. And also, next Saturday, just to give you all a heads up, we will be reviewing All Out and Worlds Collide. Because, yes. unfortunately, Monkey does have to work on Monday, so yeah. we won't be doing uh, a review episode on Monday. Curse me for being a civilian in a non-government type job. Yeah, pretty much. But anyways, folks, this has been another episode of Cheshire's Place, a looking glass into logical madness. On behalf of the man, the myth, the legend, Monkey, and the sexual chocolate of Internet Wonderland, D. Twizzle, I've been your host, the melodious one, Mr. Cheshire. And just as my namesake, the Cheshire Cat, I am everywhere, yet nowhere. We will see y'all tomorrow. (laughs) 